This episode of She Explores is brought to you by Danner Boots. For nearly a century, Danner has crafted boots with purpose and integrity. They use the best possible materials to create boots built to last, so you can hit the trail with confidence for years to come. Learn more and find your perfect fit at danner.com. I'm Gail Straub, and you're listening to She Explores. Hiking 100% has ruined my life, but in the best way possible. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that I thought that I wanted, everything that I had gone to school for and worked towards and told that that was what I was supposed to do with my life, I was fully on track to do that. And then in comes hiking, and it's just like, nope, it's not for you. Okay, I guess we're going (laughs) here now. (laughs) But... My life is, I'm so grateful for it. I just have become intentional with how I live it and have been able to become more present in so many aspects of it that I I don't think I would have been able to before. This is Victoria Amico, who goes by Plus Size Outdoors on social media. And this transformation, this ongoing journey to take up space in her own life, It's what we're going to talk about today. I'm kind of a photographer, hiker, backpacker, hippie wannabe, trying to live life the best I can. I love that hippie wannabe. (laughs) (laughs) So how would you describe yourself before you started hiking? Before I started hiking, I had wanted to be the stereotypical government employee, all about their job, expected fully to live for the work that I did. Stressed out, anxiety-driven person, but that was the life that I thought that I had wanted. And that kind of all changed once I found hiking. It's a lot to wrap that much of like your identity into work. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I, I didn't pursue things that I thought would distract myself from that, which looking back was really unfortunate. And uh, when did you go on your first hike? It was November of 2015. I was at a point in my life where I felt stuck in every way and I needed a challenge, something to push me way far outside my comfort zone. When I say it was out of the blue, it was very much out of the blue that I woke up one day and I said, I want to go for a hike called up one of my friends that I knew that hiked and said, hey, let's go. And she told me to pick a trail. And we did. And it was up near Lake Winnipesaukee up in New Hampshire. Victoria unknowingly picked a three-mile trail that had 1,200 feet of elevation gain in a mile. So while it had a gorgeous view of the lake from the top, it was not for the faint of heart. But something about that first hike hooked her. The whole climb up to the top, I was just kind of cursing under my breath and being like, why do people do this? This is awful. And then we got up to the summit and it was, you know, New Hampshire in November. So all the leaves have changed. It was beautiful. It was looked overlooked Lake Winnipesaukee. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of starting to get this. And then on the descent, we had gone a different way around that wasn't straight down. And we came across this stream that had a log across it that had like a bunch of broken branches that were kind of sticking up. 
the stream was too wide to step across, too deep, just kind of like wade through. So you had to either walk through the water or walk across this log. And I am in no way a graceful person. I will trip over air. So I (laughs) remember thinking like, there is no way that I'm setting foot on this log because I'm going to trip and I'm going to get impaled and this is where I'm going to die and this is not happening today. And just the panic that started ensuing, my friend literally grabbed my hand and said, hey, put your foot here, put your other foot here. And in two steps, I was across. And my whole world just cracked open that I realized in that moment that I'm way more capable of things than I thought that I was. And it just started deconstructing everything that I had thought as time passed, I realized that I wanted a life that was more intentional, that I was more grounded, that I wanted to live a life that I was proud of instead of living for being a workaholic or whatnot. Before Victoria discovered hiking, she was a very private person. In fact, when we first chatted over the phone, she described herself to me as being like Fort Knox. Vulnerability is something that I'm still learning Even my closest friends didn't know me because I never let them in. And learning that I have friends that aren't going to run away the moment I let people in or share something vulnerable that I can take up space and have people there that are going to be there to support me was a huge realization for me. And Definitely still something that I'm, I'm working through, but the connections that I've made in the past few years are night and day to the connections that I had when I was younger, because there is that level of trust. There is that vulnerability between us. There's just allowing yourself to be seen and to see others and make space for other people has drastically changed my life. What do you think it is about the the trail and, and hiking that allows for that? When you're on the trail, everything is stripped away. You're all going through a shared experience because it doesn't matter who you are. You're still climbing the same mountain. You're still walking the same trail. You're still doing the same thing. So it's that shared experience and that the understanding like, oh, did you just climb up this thing? Wasn't it awful? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely know that I I can relate to your sentiment of that ability to feel openness, especially after, I would say, after a day hiking. You know, somebody's in the middle of it. I'm just trying to get through it. But afterward, that mood kind of follows me around for a little while after I've spent a day on the trail. And I think for me, at least, I can see the potential that already exists in life that I maybe am not able to see in other times when I might be feeling a little more down or depressed. And I know that like time outside isn't an instant cure for any mental health challenges or anything, but I do love that feeling of potential that I feel after, especially after backpacking, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that concentrated time in nature. Mm, Definitely. So what was the process like for you after going on that first hike, realizing it was something that you really enjoyed? How did you start incorporating it into your life? I basically went down a giant rabbit hole of this new shiny thing that I 
am enthralled with. I need to know everything about everything that there is to know. So I just started immersing myself into like the quote unquote hiker life and wanting to do it again and push myself and learning more. And once I realized that this experience wasn't unique to me and that other people have the same experience and it's why they're drawn to the outdoors. I'm like, oh, but yeah, I just kept going on more and more hikes and even more so when I moved to Colorado and was just, you know, even closer to the mountains and trying to get out and learn as much as I could and keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I'm curious when you started incorporating backpacking and camping into your hiking life. So I went on my first backpacking trip in August of 2018. There's one thing about me that is frustrating, but like admirable at the same time. Like I'm an all or nothing person and I tend to go all into really big things sometimes. And sometimes it really bites me in the ass. So my first backpacking trip was a 30-mile loop around the Maroon Bells out in near Aspen that goes over four passes over 12,000 feet. And that hike (laughs) tore me apart. It chewed me up and spit me out in so many different ways. But I wouldn't change it for anything. Did you go by yourself for that? Oh, no. I <laughs> I went with two two of my friends that I worked with at REI. I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I have all the gear. Can we go here? And they're like, absolutely. So they were fantastic. They really helped. I don't think I would have made it out of that hike without them. Is there any advice that you would give someone or even your past self for that first backpacking trip? I think my biggest pieces of advice are to take care of hot spots as they come up because I had blisters that had blisters and those blisters had blisters. Yeah. My, my feet, I couldn't walk right for like two weeks and pay attention to what you need because I got severely dehydrated. I wasn't listening to my needs because I was afraid that I was going to hold people back. So I was not filling up on water when I was out because I didn't want to take the time to do it. So I, I think the biggest advice I have is to know your what your needs are and make sure that you're giving yourself them. Yeah, that can be challenging in a group dynamic, speaking up for, for what your needs are or depending on who you're with. I've been on backpacking trips where it's all about getting as many miles as possible and it can be at the cost of the experience. So is that a skill that you've grown at over time? Yeah, definitely. Especially on that first trip, I was kind of in the space that like, I was already taking up too much space. So therefore I couldn't need anything beyond what I was allowed, which is not a good place to be in. And it's also not a safe place to be in. But over the years, I've really spent a lot of time trying to understand like, I have needs and I can meet my needs Mm. and I can really take care of myself and I'm allowed to take up space and I'm allowed to vocalize the things that I need. And the people who are in my circle now, they're not going to give me crap about it. They'll be like, okay, yeah, go get your water. That's good. Yeah. Take the time you need. Okay, cool. 
Thanks. That's about like unlocking the the fort, as you said. Yes. <laughs> the yes. bank. <laughs> what are some other memorable backpacking trips you've been on since then? The most recent one is on the PCT. I did about 100 miles this year. And that was a whole basket full of lessons, but also amazing memories. We'll hear more after the break. Danner crafts boots with purpose and integrity. They have you covered no matter the season, no matter the trail. As the temperatures fall, we're turning to Danner's collection of Inquire boots. Built from the ground up for women, Danner's Inquire boot can handle it all. It's durable enough for long days on the trail and light enough for everyday tasks. Its unique Danner Dry waterproof lining allows moisture to escape without letting water in, meaning your feet will stay dry across varied terrain. The Vibram Inquire outsole provides adaptive traction and incredible grip on all kinds of surfaces. And there's something for everyone in Danner's collection of Inquire boots, including options for cold weather climates, mid-heights for ankle support, and casual styles for everyday wear. Learn more and find your perfect fit at danner.com slash inquire. We're back. I had a realization 2018 that I had so many things on my someday list that someday I'm going to wake up and not have done a single thing on it. So I started trying to make an effort to start checking off things on my someday list and making it a, a soon list. When Victoria discovered hiking in 2015, she went down the PCT, or Pacific Crest Trail, research rabbit hole. She says that the idea of hiking for months at a time latched onto her soul and what she calls her someday list. A someday list, the way you describe it, sounds different than a bucket list. Because like a someday list, it's easy to kick that down the road, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> what for you were some of the reasons why you were worried about having this list of things that you'd never get to? I think it was uh, maybe like a quarter-life crisis. Like I was turning 30. I was looking back at my life. I feel like I haven't done anything. And like I feel like I have nothing to show for my life even though logically I know that it's not true because I have done a lot. But yeah, just the the pondering of, of life and wanting to have something to show for it and that maybe start questioning some stuff. And I, I think it came out that I wasn't happy. So I, I needed to change it. I moved home. I kind of needed to reset my life. I was not in a really great space mentally, and I wanted to pay off some debt. So the past couple of years, I had kind of worked on both of those, ended up paying off a lot of debt and was in a better spot. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's try and do this. So last year I made the decision that this year I was going to start the PCD. And I did. Started down at the Mexican border and made it to just before Warner Springs. Hmm. We'll say the logical brain can be 
the most frustrating brain. <laughs> it's like, you know that I'm this way at times where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to try to talk myself out of this emotion. That only works for so long too. <laughs> it ends up being that the thing that you think is the rational thing is like the most irrational. Mm-hmm. That's not helping you in the long run. So I'm glad that you followed your your intuition and getting out there to hike 100 miles of the PCT. Looking back at that experience, are you glad that you that you went out and did it? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Even looking back at like before the PCT and after, like I just feel like a a different person. I can only imagine if I had been able to like continue on. Victoria had planned to through hike the entire length of the PCT, but she ran into unforeseen challenges on the trail. Before we touch on those though, it's worth noting that Victoria experienced much of the magic of the trail that she'd hoped for, the unexpected kindness of strangers, the reward of the slog, the beauty of the desert. But as a plus-size person, she also experienced a level of freedom that definitely wasn't a given. It was such an amazing experience in in the sense that it was the first time that I had ever been really seen as just another hiker. Body size didn't matter. Oh, you just came over that climb? Okay, how was it? Like, I was just a hiker. And I'm sure that any plus-size person who is also, like, a hiker or any kind of athlete can tell you that a lot of straight-sized people will be like, oh, you're doing such a great job. I understand it's well-intentioned, but at the same time, it's – stop, please – But, like, to not have that on trail, when you go into a town or you go into, you know, campground, people are like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you're doing amazing, blah, blah, blah. Like, I wish I could have done that. Or, holy crap, you walked from here to where? It's cool. Hmm. That's really good to hear, too, because you never know, really. Like, I'm sure that was a consideration going into the PCT, too, Mm -hmm. because communities can be insular or the same types of things that you've maybe heard on the trail and other places can pop up. So that's wonderful to hear that about the PCT community for you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Those hundred miles on the trail were sweet in many ways, but they were also incredibly challenging. A heads up, Victoria's story of leaving the trail includes brief mentions of suicidal ideation. I ended up getting off trail because I was kind of having a mental health crisis. I had lost my grandmother the month before I got on trail and Mm. something had triggered a memory in a town. I realized this after I got home, but I started processing losing her and I was about ready to roll off a cliff and was not okay. So, but I'm grateful that I made that decision and I'm still really proud of what I've done on it. And I still hiked a lot. It was an amazing experience and I still want to go back and I think I'm going to try and section hike more of it. Yeah. I mean, hundred miles, I've never done a hundred mile backpacking trip. If you just kind of zoom out and think about it that way, it's like, that is, <laughs> that is a long way. That's more than if I live in New Hampshire, you live in Massachusetts. I think you live less than a hundred miles away from me. And yes. so if I just like walked out of this interview and went down to meet you. It would take me a very long time. (laughs) Yes. And I wouldn't be in the desert. (laughs) Yes. 
I know something that you wrote about leaving the trail is that you you called it an act of of choosing yourself. Mm -hmm. That feels like something to be proud of, too. Absolutely. Even a few years ago, I still would have shoved all these emotions down and just suffered through it and just not dealt with it in a healthy way. And that would have come up in some other way. So being able to choose kindness for myself and choose that I needed to heal from this right now instead of being in the desert and driving the struggle bus. I'm not even on it. I'm driving that bus. So <laughs> <laughs> you're pushing it. You're out of the bus and you're pushing it from behind. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Oh, man. But yeah, choosing myself, learning to do that has been a really interesting process. But I'm super grateful for the journey that it's taken me on and being able to not feel shame about choosing myself either has been really interesting. Hmm. Do you remember when you realized that you'd be heading home from the trail? Was it around that 100-mile marker? It was probably the, the section in between Julian and... Ranchita, which is where I got off trail. That 25 mile section was was tough. I remember leaving Julian with a hiker that I had met in town. Her name is Crunch. And we had met at Two Foot Adventures, the PCT outfitter in Julian. We were hiking about the same pace. We had both been hiking alone up until that point. So we decided to hike out together and kind of stick together. We had made it maybe 500 feet from the trailhead, and I just turned around and I started crying. And I was like, I don't know if through hiking's for me. I think I might want to be a section hiker. Like, I'm not feeling okay. Like, she had basically just said, what's going on? Let's stick together. Let's. We have four miles to camp. We'll go at your pace. We'll do whatever we need to do. I'm here for you, which was amazing. So, Crunch, mm-hmm. if you're listening, thank you so much. She had asked me if I wanted to go back into town or if I wanted to continue. And I said, you know, let me get through this next section and then we can figure it out. So the next day, I woke up and left camp. And every time that I stopped to, like, take a breather break, I would just start sobbing. And I would sob for, like, five minutes. And then I would just collect myself and then I would keep hiking and then I would stop like an hour or two later and just start sobbing again. That was basically the course of the day. And then we finally made it to camp that night and I was starting to think like, I think I need to go home. I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm not feeling this right now. I kept trying to think, think it through and the idea of leaving trail broke my heart. I was, I was really struggling with that. And then the next day, it was a 10-mile day to the road crossing to get into Ranchita. I had booked a bed at kind of a retreat place that caters to hikers. I was going to go into there and spend a day or two there and figure out what to do. But by the time I got to the road, I was done. I needed to, mm. to pull it. That 25-mile stretch follows the road from Julian to ranchita you can see the road pretty much the whole time but you're just two thousand feet above it so i anytime i saw a car i'm like if i just roll off this cliff here maybe i can get a hitch into town but like there's rocks boulders cactus cacti 
you would make it to the road. And then Mm. throughout the rest of the day, I just kept thinking like, I could just roll off this and I don't really care if I live or die. Like, I don't care at this point. So I'm like, this is not a good spot to be in. By the time I finish the day, I'm like, yeah, I can't do this right now. So I went home, tried to regroup for a little bit, had intentions of getting back on trail at some point, was thinking about meeting up with some of the hikers that I had met in Central California or something like that. But after I was home for a few weeks, it didn't feel right in the moment to go back to trail. And dealing with that mentality for a minute and just sitting in it was hard. But I'm I'm grateful that I had the space to kind of work through that. Hmm. Do you feel like after having that through hiking experience that you take to the trail a little bit differently? How would you describe yourself as a hiker today? So I still work at REI and I work with a lot of people who have through hiked and I've had conversations with them about like the term like hiker trash. It's kind of thrown about in the through hiking community that you're just kind of grungy and you're just disgusting and you stink and it's just this whole spirit of being and I've had conversations with them about like can I still hold on to this title and they're like absolutely you are 100% hiker trash and I feel like I kind of wear that as like a badge of honor in the sense that like I've done long hikes and I've done long backpacking trips and and stuff like this and I get dirty and grungy and kind of gross but at the same time like hiking for me is in so many ways just connecting back to myself into the earth and to learning to be present and content in the present moment. And I feel like everything else just melts away. So hiking is kind of my safe space, for lack of a better word. As integral as hiking has been for Victoria, she still jokes that she has a love-hate relationship with it. For one, it's plain hard sometimes, physically, mentally, but it's also taught her one of the biggest lessons of her life, which she wants to pass on to you too. Society doesn't get to dictate how you can take up space or what you can do with the body that you have. So if you wanna go on a hike, go on a hike. If you wanna learn how to climb or you wanna go kayaking, you wanna go paddleboarding, whatever it is that you wanna do, you wanna try, do it. My, my whole thing is like, if we remove failure, or the, the threat of failure from the equation, we get to see what we're made of. So if you remove that and you are not afraid of failure, you get to do some pretty awesome stuff. If you want to follow along with Victoria, here are a few places to find her. I run a social media and occasional YouTube channel called Plus Size Outdoors. And my whole mission in this is to increase diversity and representation in outdoor spaces and to promote that you're allowed to take up space in the body that you have and help change the narrative. The outdoors are not just for 
the skinny straight white guys. And if you are not a skinny straight white guy, you still have you still have this place out there. Victoria also recommends following unlikely hikers, fat girls hiking, Ashes Adventures, Queen Work, Chill Tash, and Sam Ortiz. I'll link them in the show notes. Thank you so much to Victoria for taking the time to talk. I really enjoyed it. And if you want to follow along with her, I've also listed everything that she mentioned in the show notes. Thanks to our sponsor, Danner Boots, for making this episode possible. Learn more at danner.com. You can find She Explorers on social media, our website, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter to stay up to date. You can find me on Instagram at Gail Straub. If you enjoy listening, there are different ways to support us. You can subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Head to ratethispodcast.com slash sheexplorers to easily review. And if you'd like to connect, join us in the She Explorers podcast Facebook group. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Gail Straub. She Explorers is a production of Ravel Media. We'll be back with a new episode in early November. Until next time, stay curious.